we have a God who knows everything. And he doesn't just know in some intellectual sense, but who knows us intimately, relationally. And that's what we see in John chapter 10 when we talk about Jesus as the good shepherd. He's the ultimate shepherd, the ultimate caretaker. And it's amazing when you think about the titles of Jesus, even what we've encountered so far where he's referred to as Lord and he's, of course, the Messiah. And there are lots of references in the Gospels to him being the king and all these lofty titles And this morning, the passage David read earlier, we hear over and over that Jesus is the good shepherd, which is a kind of more of a down and dirty type of role, isn't it? When you think about king, or he's, of course, the great high priest. We had a song this morning that mentioned the high priesthood of Jesus, the lordship of Jesus, high, lofty, majestic titles. And here we have him referred to as a shepherd, kind of more of a down and dirty type of role and it speaks to his ability and his care to reach into those deep dark areas of our lives to understand all those layers all those complexities all those stresses all those frustrations all those difficulties all those different variations of how we suffer and struggle he cares and so we're going to consider for probably a few weeks i'm not sure how many but we're going to consider this idea of jesus as the good shepherd and make observations along the way. In some senses, this morning is a bit of an overview. We'll be in verses 1 through 10. It's a bit of an overview. We'll be able to circle back and touch on some of these details in weeks to come. But one of the things I want to do as we get started this morning in this study, because we have this imagery of Jesus as the shepherd, and we, of course, are the sheep in this situation. So I want to talk to you a little bit about sheep as we get started, okay? And as I go through some of these kind of characteristics of sheep, I have four of them. As I go through these, I want you to just sort of think, think about how these might relate to you, how, how this metaphor of a sheep fits for who you are and who, who I am. And I'm going to go through this with you. We're going to think, think through this, okay? I am no sheep expert, but I've done some research and I've learned some things. So we're going to all take a little journey in the realm of sheepology this morning Pretty sure I just made that word up, but we're going to do that. We're going to delve into the details of sheep, maybe more than you've ever wanted to know about sheep. To begin with, sheep are directionless. Now, this is interesting. A lot of animals have kind of an internal navigation system that God wired them with to where if they get lost somewhere, they have an ability to find their way home through sense of smell and other things. They're able to find their way home. Sheep do not have that ability. Listen to what one sheep expert had to say about this he says sheep have a propensity for getting lost they lose their way through stupidity and also through heedlessness and folly a sheep will keep his nose this is interesting and funny a sheep will keep his nose to the ground following the strip of greenest grass little by little separating himself from his companions until at last his companions are completely out of sight And this poor, isolated animal does not know where he is. So just nose to the ground, just going along, going along, going along, and all of a sudden, oh man, where where am I? Completely lost. And it says, when by himself he is timid and easily panic-stricken, every sight alarms him, every sound makes him afraid. He rushes here and there, seeking his way, but his search is generally fruitless. A lost sheep doesn't get home. The more he tries to find his path, the farther he is likely to be from the fold. In his desperation, he may run into a thicket or sink into a morass or fall into a pit and there perish unless the shepherd finds him. Speaking of sheep, just wandering. And and don't you know what that feels like in life sometimes? Haven't you wondered sometimes, how, how did I get here? Just how exactly 
What series of bad decisions was I guilty of that got me here? And, and I can't find my way back. We're like sheep. Isaiah 53, verse 6. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Feels familiar, doesn't it? Sheep in need of a, of a shepherd to come after us, to find us, to give us direction. Second characteristic of sheep, we're going to think about with me for a moment, is that sheep are dependent. Simply cannot find even their own food or water. In fact, apparently, and again, I haven't had personal experience with sheep. I, don't, I grew up in Warwick here. I don't know if there's like one sheep in Warwick right now. Probably not. But what I hear is that they can't find their own provisions. In fact, they can be out sort of wandering looking for food and drink, and there can be a grassy field right nearby or water right nearby, and they, they can't find it. They, they need to be led. They, they need someone, they need a shepherd to lead them to food and drink. They're also very accident prone. They can slip and fall. They can flip upside down. And not, they're not able to get themselves back upright. <laughs> They need a shepherd to come and just roll them back over. Dependent in so many ways. And again, we can think of ourselves and we know in one sense God has provided for us and even our own gifts and abilities which we use to to work and to make money and to buy food. And, And yet we know that even those gifts come from God. We're dependent upon Him every moment. And certainly when we get ourselves into trouble, when we're stuck in some kind of sinful pattern of thinking or behavior or some kind of frustration or relational difficulty or a stress at work that we just can't seem to figure out a way and, and we can feel palpably in that moment our sense of dependence. Like, I, I need help. I need, I need someone from outside of me to help me. And Jesus here is upholding himself as the good shepherd saying, I am the source of the help that you need. So sheep are dependent. A third, these all start with D. Sheep are defenseless. They have no defense mechanisms whatsoever. You think of sheep, they don't really have teeth. <laughs> they don't have at least dangerous, uh, any, any ability to inflict harm on another creature. They can even be outmatched by a creature half their size. And one I was reading about this said that their, their helplessness is pitiable They are completely and utterly dependent upon human strength and wisdom to protect them from all. You think of all the dangers for sheep back in biblical times still today, depending on what part of the world, but lions, bears, hyenas, jackals, wolves, even birds of prey. Little lambs can be threatened by birds of prey. So there's all these different types of dangers. Bandits, and we're going to spend a little time here this morning on the idea of like thieves and robbers and the threat that they were to sheep. And there's just nothing, nothing they could do about it. Just helpless, vulnerable. And again, though we, we like to think that we're strong and we like to think that we can come up with ways of defending ourselves, even physically, and, and sure, we have certain capacity for that, but we all have to admit we are limited, aren't we? And all it takes is a superior opponent and we're easily overtaken physically. And then, of course, when we think about spiritual things, my goodness, are any of us really 
capable when it comes to spiritual threats, spiritual dangers. We're all, because of our fallen mindset, we're all prone to temptations and sins of all kinds. There's a defenselessness about us. We need help. We need protection. We need to be guarded and taken care of in that way. We're vulnerable just like sheep are vulnerable. Such a brilliant metaphor that God has used. And really throughout Scripture, He uses this metaphor for His people of sheep. And that describes us pretty well. Defenseless. And then fourthly, and this is the last one we'll spend time on this morning, but sheep are dirty. I remember driving by where my in-laws live in Pennsylvania, the, the, the hills of Pennsylvania. There's a certain area in their neighborhood where there's a sheep pasture, and we drive by these sheep, and there, you think of sheep, and you know the little storybooks that you read as a child, and they're always bright white. Well, in real life, they don't usually look like that. I don't know if you've seen them, but they're pretty filthy, usually. So we've driven by those sheep many times, and they're out there just gnarly, nasty, and they have this sort of oil in their skin, so their, their wool just attracts it's the dirt. It just sticks. It's all grimy and everything. And so the shepherd has to wash the sheep, and, and that too is a good analogy for us in that we can get ourselves dirty. And, and I don't just mean in some external way. I'm thinking in my mind here, I, I want to harmonize this when Jesus says, look, it's the problem is on the inside, not the outside. So it's not even just that we're out there and like we're contaminated by those influences outside of us, but we're, we're rendered filthy by our own Filth of our own fallen minds, of our own perverted ways of thinking, our own ingratitude and greed and anger and all the things that plague us. And, and the Bible refers to those realities in our lives as like a form of dirt. And we know when we're, when we're sinful and we're, we're just frustrated and we're greedy and we're enslaved and we're stuck. And you know what that feels like and it sort of feels filthy, doesn't it? There's times when you're feeling the sense of guilt and perhaps you've even said, you know, I'm just going to go take a shower. I need to take a shower. Even though you know that's a physical thing, but it's like something about the idea of cleansing. You just sort of psychologically feel like you need it. Well, sheep are often dirty and we get ourselves dirty with our own fallen thinking and we have a shepherd who attends to us, who cares for us and who offers to cleanse us and purify us in ways we could never cleanse or purify ourselves. So, some thoughts about sheep. Now, in our passage, I want you to notice, first of all, that the danger of the thieves and the robbers here, because they're mentioned three times. In verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. And then jump down to verse 8. All who came before me, Jesus says, are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. And then verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And that's kind of the ultimate end when you think of thieves and robbers. This is what they're up to. This is what their goal is. They come to steal and kill and destroy. So the question is, who are these thieves and robbers? Who are the ones who are out to steal and kill and destroy? That these people are vulnerable in the presence of. Well, I want you to turn back with me to Ezekiel 34. There's a prophecy about this. Ezekiel 34, where God, through his prophet, describes the false shepherds of Israel. And you can think really of evil kings, corrupt prophets or priests, false messiahs. I mean, Israel... Their history is littered with all these perverted, corrupt leaders. 
all appointed by God to a, a worthy position and intended to be in a shepherding type position and yet abused. And so look what God communicates through Ezekiel in chapter 34. I'm going to read verses 1 through 15. Just notice the sort of the graphic description here and the indictment of the shepherds who fail to take care of God's people. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. The scattered, you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. And notice this phrase, but with force and with severity, you have dominated them. Not taking care of the sheep, exploiting, using the sheep, and dominating them with force. And isn't that the human? Just pause for a moment before we read the rest. Isn't that the human way? From the beginning. When we read in John 10 that the thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. Maybe that language itself makes you think of the evil one, Satan, from the very beginning in the garden. Seeking to lead people astray, draw people after himself. To what end? Isolating them to destroy them. That is his way. And all throughout history, in Israel and in every other nation, men have arisen who have been exploiters, taking advantage of their positions of power, dominating, forcing, controlling people. And that is the age-old story of life in this world and all the corrupt versions of leadership in this world. And God is here saying that my nation, my people have not been spared. The same atrocity has taken place over and over and over again. And here is the indictment of these shepherds. They force with severity. They dominate the people. They're in for themselves. They want to feed on the sheep themselves. They want to steal the wool. It's all about their own benefit. It's not really to serve the sheep. And so continue on with me in verse 5. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered all over the surface of the earth and there was no one to search or seek for them. Alone, isolated, vulnerable, in need. Verse 7, Therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my flock has become a prey, my flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep. So the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore, but I will deliver my flock from their mouths so that they will not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. All pointing forward to the time when Jesus came, being fulfilled in John chapter 11. He says, I'm going to shepherd my people. They need me. They need one who is pure of heart one who will take care of them, and I am the only qualified one to shepherd them. 
As a shepherd, verse 12, cares for his herd on the day when he is among the scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down on good grazing ground and feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. And then lastly, verse 15, I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. Back to John 10. Isn't that a fitting description of the shepherding God offers His people and embodied in the person of Jesus, the good shepherd who comes for His sheep to take care of them Others are thieves and robbers and, and it could only be that way because human nature is, is a nature of consumption, taking, so that even the, the best leaders we've had historically, whether political leaders, other influencers, even church leaders, there's always going to be that selfish element of what can I get out of this? What's in it for me? It's as natural as natural can be. That's why they say... Uh, Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely, right? We've all heard that. It's what it's like among men and women, but not with God, the pure leader, the rightly motivated leader, the, the, the good shepherd of his people. The thieves and robbers here, he, he must have in mind, especially when you consider the context, we just came through chapter 8 and chapter 9 and Jesus is there confronting the religious leaders in the way they, they held the people under their control, under their domination. The people were afraid. In fact, in John chapter 9, we read about the parents of the man born blind. Remember, they were afraid to even celebrate the healing with their son who had been given his sight. And they, couldn't, they weren't even free to celebrate because they were afraid of the religious leaders and their judgment and their condemnation and being d- viewed with disdain or put out of the, of the fellowship it's abusive leadership. It's not God's kind of leadership. And Jesus is here using the terminology of thieves and robbers. Yeah, they look like they're kind of like tending. If, if, from a distance, you might see them with the sheep and assume because there's a human there with the sheep that it's safe, but it's not because of the selfishness and the greed and the lust of the religious leaders who are in it either for money or for honor, the respectability, just wanted to be seen, wanted to be admired, wanted to be viewed as intelligent, viewed as wise or whatever. And it was all selfish. And it didn't take care of the herding sheep. The broken, dependent, defenseless, dirty, directionless sheep who needed a shepherd. And so God says, I'm coming for you. I'm going to be your shepherd And with clarity, you're going to know that I'm your caretaker. So there's that contrast from all, whether it's throughout their history, the the false shepherds of every kind, the false teachers and wicked kings and corrupt priests and false prophets and pseudo-messiahs to the the religious leaders of Jesus' very day, the, the Pharisees and all of them. There's this contrast painted between all of these human leaders and Christ himself, the better and truer shepherd. So notice with me what he says about himself, and this will be a bit of a survey. We'll we'll probably circle back to some of these concepts 
in weeks to come, but it says in verse 2, He who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I mean, this is just awesome. He, he calls his own sheep by name. And his sheep hear his voice and he leads them. The, the tenderness of that, the, the personal nature of that, knowing your name. I mean, what we talked about earlier, the reason I kind of wanted you to think about that, okay, even if you have people who care for you, you know there are limitations. They can't care quite enough for you. They, they can't even fully understand you. And he says, but I know you by name. He says, I speak to you and my sheep hear my voice. Recently, a friend of mine sent me a little video of uh, a guy who's actually a Christian comedian. His name is escaping me right now. But a Christian comedian who was telling a story. This wasn't a joke. It was just a story he was telling about his newborn daughter. He had a a little girl born. And he went and he took a video when he was standing next to her there in the hospital. And she's just on the little baby bed in the little incubator thing. And she's just there. And she's very upset. And she's crying. As babies do, she's crying and crying and crying very loudly. And he begins to just speak to her. He says, hey, sweetheart, your, your dad's here. I'm right here. And as he speaks to her, she calms down. And a little bit later, she starts crying again and, and carrying on the same way, just dis- distressed. And, and he says to her, hey, hey, baby, I'm right, I'm right here. Your dad's here. He says, and, and I love you. And that moment comes, and even her eyes open up, and she looks at her dad. Just kind of an awesome moment of that like intimacy and a little analogy, a little picture that God wired into the world to say, this is what I'm like for you. And I speak to you words of truth, words of wisdom, words of comfort. And, and with me, unlike every human talking head, With me, God is communicating to us. With me, there is absolute purity in my motives. When I speak to you, I speak as the good shepherd. I speak good to you. Even when I speak truth that, even when I speak truth that counters your false narratives and deception, even when I challenge you, even when I discipline you, it's for your good. It's your father talking to you. It's your shepherd talking to you. I'm caring for you. This is the picture painted of Christ and the personal nature of his care. And don't we all need it when we admit it earlier? We can't even understand ourselves. This is what is offered us. And then it goes on. And it says, um, when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. And it's told of sheep that this is true, that they, they have an acute sense of hearing and can detect the voice of their shepherd versus other voices out there. It says, This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but when they did not understand what those things were, he had been saying, Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out. In fine pasture, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And notice what he says in the end of verse 10. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The thieves, the robbers come to take. Jesus comes to give. They come to kill. Jesus comes to give life. As I was meditating on this passage this past week, I thought of... um, 
I thought of kind of the counter arguments where people could say, and sometimes I think this way and feel this way, okay, if God's this great caretaker, then why, is, why are things going so badly in this world? Why so much violence? Why does he allow the corruption? Why all the people that are hurting through one atrocity or another, small scale, large scale, all the abuse, all the exploitation that's been going on from the beginning of time, and, and that's all the human stuff. And then on top of that, you've got the natural disasters and all the threats and dangers and risks in this life, in this cursed, fallen world. And, and if this good shepherd is taking care of everything, then, then we can understand the question that arises, well, wait a minute, how, how, is, how does that fit? But I want you to think about it on a few levels. And it really comes right down to the truth of verse 10. But, but begin with, just think about, I mean, every time you have that family member or that friend who can speak words of truth and wisdom and comfort to you, do you know that's an expression of the good shepherd in your life? Every time you have some need around the house, maybe you're as useless as me with handyman-type projects, and uh, every time you have a need that you, you don't know how to fix something, and then yet you have a connection or you reach out or you find someone who has a business doing whatever it is that you need attended to, and that person comes out and takes care of something physically even that you don't know how to, or you don't have the training to take care of, you know that's God's good shepherd care in your life providing for you, naturally speaking. Every time a first responder shows up to an accident scene and ministers and tends to the person who is suffering, do you know that too comes from the good shepherd who is reaching into his world, who allows it to be cursed, who allows it to suffer, but, but does tend to, does address, does intervene. But still we could counter with, okay, yeah, but, but what about the times when there isn't that type of provision? Because sometimes there isn't. And what about the ultimate losses when things are just stolen or taken or harm is done or disease is ravaging you or whatever and, and there just isn't an escape? And we hear him say, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Well, wait, wait a minute. Where's the abundance in that? It requires the eyes of faith. It requires the, the sight of faith that says he... He is the one who came to associate me with and acquaint me with the living God and to bring me back into relationship with the living God to have eternal life. As we've been studying John's Gospel, haven't we seen over and over all these different images and metaphors and illustrations of how Jesus is our life? And, and that can be just so flippant and so casual, it just rolls off the tongue, but when you consider our utter and desperate need for life, Life beyond this world, life beyond the temporal, life beyond the fragile, eternal life. And he says, I'm here to give it to you. And I'm going to take care of you from the beginning to the end of your life. And even when you perish, even when your body gives up and you breathe your last, I'm going to raise you up. And he says, and, and if, you, if you doubt, if you wonder, he says, look, and this is where he says, I go before my sheep. He went before us to death. I'm going to death, and I'm rising, and you are too. That's what he's saying. So you, you, you couldn't be cared for any better than by a God who understands you flawlessly in every detail of your wiring and life experience, and you could all tell me your story of both the positives and the things you're grateful for and the things you still suffer over. 
the traumas, the pains, the brokenness, the whatever, and he knows it all from A to Z, beginning to end. He knows it all. And he is your caretaker. He's the good shepherd taking care of his people. And it is awesome. I was uh, with my friend. My friend David is here visiting from Washington. It's been a nice little blessing. David and his daughter are here visiting with us this weekend. A little taste of Washington since we've been gone for a year. And we've had a good time. And we've been, we were, went to Newport the other day. We've been just traveling around. And different times we've just been, you know, just around with the crowds of people out there. Even with the Hurricane Lee. Or what did Hurricane Lee, is that a thing? I don't know. Did it fizzle out? Did it go out? I don't even know. I haven't even been paying attention. So anyway, it hasn't been that bad. A lot of people out and about still frolicking around. And, and, I, and I've been thinking of this, this passage Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness and seeing the people. He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. To think that God even now is is looking down on his seven plus, I think we're almost at eight billion people in this world, and yeah, there are lots of bad things that happen in this world and lots of sin and lots of violence and lots of inappropriate things going on. And, and, and here's a God who looks at all of it and has compassion. And he's, he's like a shepherd looking down at these sheep and saying, they need, they need me. They need me. And that, you may have heard this before, but that word compassion even is, is fascinating. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's regarding like that it's used sometimes of internal organs, like physical, actual internal organs, the heart, the liver, the kidneys. It's like God cares for me with his kidneys. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't do much for us. But when you, when you realize what it means is from the core of his being, from the vital core of God's being, he has compassion on you and on me and on this world. He feels it. It's amazing. What kind of care. I'm looking at all these people and enjoying just being around and doing what we were doing. And, and like little moments of kind of seeing someone and thinking, oh, probably that person may be having a bad day or whatever. But I don't even have the capacity <laughs> to know what's really going on with people, to, to really care, to, to care in the way they need care. And this passage is upholding before us the Christ who cares in the greatest sense, to the greatest degree, with the greatest purity, the Good Shepherd. It's awesome. My sheep hear my voice. This is coming up later in John 10. And I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And he even goes on to say, and they won't take them out of the Father's hand. You're, like, you're, you're, you're safe in the grip of Jesus and the Father, and of course the Spirit on the inside. Like you, you couldn't be more secure than you are. Wow. When life so often feels insecure, doesn't it? Oh, it's so good. Every once in a while, I'll be in a counseling situation, and I'll have someone say to me, you know, the problem here is with my child or with this romantic interest or with someone else. The, the problem is I, I, just, I just care too much. I just care too much. And, and I, I'm in counselor mode being trying to understand, trying to be compassionate and dig into that and trying to understand it. But 
But I'm just going to tell you, you don't care too much. <laughs> you, well, you, 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 you sort of care too much. But I'll just say usually, usually that means there's some kind of like personal tentacles in that person or relationship or thing that, that you kind of need something from the person. And, and even the, the, the caring, there's still this like subtle caring about self first before the person and, and we are all guilty of that. God is the only one of whom it can be said He cares too much or as much as care should be extended without any ulterior motives. Without needing anything from you. Without needing to extract anything from you. He is the source of life. (laughs) He doesn't need anything from you. The fact that He finds us in our mess, in our little sheep-like mess that we make for ourselves, lost, dirty, injured, in danger to wolves, whatever, that He finds us there, that He cares, that He feels deep within Himself compassion, and then He tends to us for our good, to rescue us, to save us, to bring us to freedom, to bring us to life and liberty and celebration and joy forever. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty awesome. From Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. To Him belongs the glory forever. He's your good shepherd. We're going to spend some some weeks on this. I hope that was encouraging to you as as we had our little beginning here this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank you for the vivid, living color scenes of Jesus' life. We hear his words uttered thousands of years ago, and yet we hear them freshly this morning. Every person in this room, however many are even here, I don't even know the number, hundred and something, people watching online, the complexity, the layers, the details of our lives the, the lies we so often believe, the, the bad sense of direction we so often have, the ways that we harm ourselves and harm others, it's all so complicated. The ways that we handle stress, the ways that we experience anxiety and anger, all those details, you know and you care. And you said that in this world we'll have trouble and you didn't shield us from that reality and you you let us have trouble. And yet you tell us that you're with us. That you lead us. That you came that we might have life and have it abundantly. And you're so generous and so kind to give us everlasting life. To awaken us to who you really are. That we might hear your voice through all the commotion, all the chatter out there in the irreligious world and all the secular leaders of one kind or another, the religious world and all the religious leaders, even in the church, the the commotion of voices that are speaking untruths, deception, distortions, painting a false picture of who you are, and yet you speak through all that noise, you speak your, your still small voice, reaches to the depths of our hearts, 
and you tell us, I love you, and you tell us, I'm for you, and our hearts respond with gratitude and worship because of the great hope that we have. So thank you so much for what is true. Thank you for caring for us and not just quitting on us. Thank you for shepherding us. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.